Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of Myo Strength, and joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of B&B Fit. Let's hold center. Yo, what's going on, Spilks? How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I I'm I know I'm just I'm reversing right now from like my mini cut with Austin. And so even though he gave me a really generous food bump last week, I actually dropped to another new low. So he gave me another nice food bump this week on both training days and non-training days. But because I'm like reversing now and gonna go into another growth phase, I actually reached out to Kenny Wallach to start posing practice. So I just want to make sure that I'm milking the most of my off season. Because obviously, if we will prep next year, maybe the year after, depending upon what Austin wants to do with my programming, I want to make sure that I'm just staying diligent in my off season and making sure that, you know, as my physique continues to improve and change, that I am making sure my posing accentuates and highlights, you know, my my strong suits and obviously covers my weak points. So I don't have fucking Tetris hips on stage like I did in 2019. But enough about me. How about you? <laughs> Good. Um, I was actually just thinking I didn't practice posing at all this week. It's hard for me this off season when I'm like the, I want to say the fattest, but I'm going with heaviest I've ever been just hard. Cause like I'll practice like full on like bikini and everything, like my posing suit, um, yeah. so just to see. Cause when I'm in, like, I feel more comfortable in my like, obviously baggy ass clothes, but you can't see dick when you're doing that. So yeah, but I haven't posed in a hot minute, but I probably will today at the gym, but, um, yeah, my week was Great. Um, I burned my lip with a fork. So I have like four prong marks on my fork or on my lip, my upper lip, and it's scabbing over. So that's great. It's been difficult to eat. It's annoying. Um, got another menstrual cycle this week. So next month will be a full year of menstrual cycles for me if it comes, which it will. I already know it will, um, which is great since um, I've definitely had a whole bunch of issues with that since starting bodybuilding back in 2018, I think. So yeah, yeah, another goal to achieve is next month and getting another cycle. So that'll be exciting for me and I'll celebrate when it comes. I love that. I love that. We'll have to have a a period party for you. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's have like a FaceTime period party. We can wear all. Yes. Yes. I love that. We'll get like vagina looking fruits. Like we'll get like papaya and shit and slice it in half. Man, I was ordering my groceries last night and papaya came up and I was like, I fucking hate papaya. I hate it. I hate it. If there was like one fruit that could die off this earth, it would be papaya. I hate Damn. it. Then, then pineapple. I hate pineapple next. Damn. For me, it would be dragon fruit. It does. It tastes like water. Like it has no taste oh. to me. Granted, I must have had out of season dragon fruit because for me, like everyone like is like, oh my God, dragon fruit's amazing. But every time I tasted it, I'm like, it doesn't have a taste. It's boring. It looks bonkers on the outside but the inside it's just like okay it's boring but enough about this Ashley you want to introduce our guests we have a special guest we're so excited oh you want me to do it I know I'm gonna give you the honors I did last week though yeah but go ahead and do it again go ahead my gift to you your period party gift oh god it's an early gift so this week we have a very very exciting guest me and asher are are super pumped about this um he's never been on our podcast before um ash's podcast previous before this before i joined um he is well known phenomenal very humble amazing um another coach in the in the bodybuilding industry and today we have cameron cheek with us so welcome welcome to the podcast Thank you, ladies, for having me on. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah. So kind of give us a little bit about you and your background. Like I was telling you kind of before we started recording when you were on the excellence cartel and you were kind of talking about your, your humble beginnings and just kind of like not only your early career as a competitor, but also a coach, but just like, tell us a little bit more about how you got into bodybuilding, how you got into coaching and essentially how you became the person you are today. Sure. Sure. So I guess it's a brief overview of where I am now, and then I'll backtrack. Um, currently 24, I'll be 25 next month. So I'm, oh, get, I'm getting there. Happy um, birthday. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I live uh, basically Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've been here pretty much my whole life. Um, but then kind of getting back to, um, you know, just how everything, I guess, happened for me. I grew up playing sports my whole life. I played football for eight or nine years. Um and got through college, or not got through college, got through high school playing football and was pretty much burned out of it. I played on the offensive line. And that's a position you're one of the bigger guys. So you're a bit overweight and heavier. And, you know, that weight translates in football and it, it, it holds value when, when you're playing that position. But, you know, I played football for eight to nine years at that point, And there was a bit of burnout that was starting to come through. Um, I got bullied some growing up when I was younger for being overweight, but then getting into football and actually being good and, you know, kind of having purpose on the team that kind of started to fade out a little bit, but I was still tired of being overweight. Um, so my senior year came around, I was like, screw it. I'm about to lose all this weight. So I did. And I lost it really, really fast. Um, about six months after the season ended, I think I had lost around 60 to 70 pounds um, within that time period of just not eating. It was not healthy at all, but it got the job done. I ended up getting super skinny fat and I was like, wait, what? Why don't I have abs? What's going on here? Um, and so, you know, just growing up playing sports my whole life too, you know, you, you, you're a bit geared just to work out, you know, it's kind of like, what, what do I do if I'm not? doing that you know like it has to be some area of your life that still is maintained and so it's still working out lifting all the time <clears throat> and throughout losing all of that weight I had some of my friends that I played with and just someone went to high school with they're like hey man like can you help me lose weight and at that point I definitely started to learn more just reading online what I could um about just setting up a diet and things like that. And so I did have more knowledge per se than I did when I first got into losing that weight myself. And so I had two or three of my friends, I helped them lose weight. Um, and so at that point, it was kind of like, okay, I guess this guy, like he's done it himself. He's had a couple of people he's helped, like he can do it. And so in my eyes too, I'm like, oh, I guess that makes me a personal trainer or something. So <laughs> at that point, you know, I gotten into some personal training um, and let's see, where does that put us now? I, I started to go to college and I got about three semesters in when I found out the girl that I was dating at the time when I was 19, it was 18 or 19, um, found out that she was pregnant. Her and I did not end up staying together. Um, but she did carry on the pregnancy and, by February of 2018, my son was born and I was 19 then. Um, and throughout that year, I ended up pulling out of school just because a lot of things messed up whenever my parents got divorced and we didn't send in the proper paperwork. So my like hope scholarship and stuff went away. And so I wasn't able to afford school and stuff. And I didn't know until the day that the payment was due that it hadn't been applied for that semester. 
And so they were like, oh, yeah, you either can pay in cash or check. And I'm like, you know, I'm 19. One, I don't know how to write a check. Two, I don't have $5,000 in cash. And so they just pulled me out of my classes. And I was just really frustrated at that point. Um, And I was just like, screw it. Like, I'm just going home. So I did. And at that point, I was personal training some and going through I was actually married for a very short time um, to my son's mom. And so we went through the, we were going through the divorce process that spring semester. So having to deal with all like the child support, attorney bills, stuff like that. I just couldn't afford school. And just after getting pulled out um, of a semester where I had really hard classes and was killing it, it was super demotivating to go back. Um, And so throughout that period, this was 2018. Yeah, 2018. Um, I was actually in prep for my first show that year. Um, I lived in like six or seven different places because my mom was moving in with her fiance. I was like, hey, you're going to kind of have to figure it out. So I moved in with, um, with someone that I just happened to to meet up with that was, I think, getting his master's at Kennesaw State University in exercise science. And so he found out a little bit more what I was doing. And he helped prep me for my first show and then also kind of pointed me in the right direction for just, you know, what podcasts to listen to, maybe what ebooks to read, stuff like that for coaching. So pointed me in that direction there. Um, let's see. Then I ended up competing that July, did like a 26 week long prep, lost 64 pounds, lived in like seven different places that year. It was was a lot. Um, And then, you know, I had a lot of months that year of just, you know, really trying to figure it out, like how I was going to pay bills getting to the next month. Also just taking on a hefty child support bill. And, you know, I was personal training. I didn't have a real job. So it got to a point where I was working three jobs at one time. I remember one month I had to sell my dog just to pay rent. Um, It it was a brutal year, but then I started to, on social media, I was kind of pushing more for like, I guess you could say like the influencer role. Like I hadn't fully taken on like my main role as a coach yet. I was just a person that was in um, bodybuilding and in a contest prep. And at that point in my life, it was a pretty dark period. So me... I guess having that that social media presence and trying to, I don't even want to call it an alter ego, but for me at the time, it probably was. Um, I was trying to just, I guess, live and be someone that I wanted to be, but I wasn't quite there yet. Um, and so that social media outlet and just connecting with the fitness community kind of gave me a little bit of a break from reality, um, in a sense. And so... I connected with a lot of individuals and I got a good bit of followers at that point through just, you know, again, trying to be like an influencer, really just like an athlete on Instagram. And so I got a lot of other athletes that I connected with on there. When I got into coaching, that made me already have some connections with some of these athletes. And so I had a friend of mine that I just met through social media and he was doing, I think his second show or something in spring of 2019 and he was about 11 weeks out and this was truly like my first year coaching at this point so 
I was coaching some lifestyle people and it gotten to a point where I was working those three jobs. Um, but I was ringing enough where I finally could get my own apartment um, with the girl that I was dating at the time. And so I, I had this guy that I found on social media. His name is Jeremy Sayers. He was prepping himself for a show. And I think he was 11 weeks out when we first started. And I remember asking if he had a coach and he said, no, I'm just prepping myself. And I looked at everything. I was like, look, man, like I, I know that I've never prepped anybody before, but you know, at this point I had done plenty of just like listening and trying to learn as much as I could um, to try and prep someone. And I just told him, I was like, look, I don't have any experience doing this, yada, yada. Basically just told him like, whatever it is that you're doing, I know that I'm not the best coach in the world, but I can do better than that. <laughs> like I'd be yeah. willing to help. And I was like, you know, if you just want to trust me and pay me your trust and efforts, like that's totally fine. And so he was 18 or 19, I believe. Um, and we prepped and he did a show March of 2019. Uh, I was an 11 week prep that, that I came on for. He ended up winning the overall at that show in Michigan. Um, me and Dom Kuzas guys went against each other in the overall. And then my guy. Oh, beat wow. him, so that's how we know each other. <laughs> so there was that. And then I had some other people, someone else that hit me up that was actually in prep for a show and we turned it to a nationals prep. He did universe. That was the second person I put on stage. He got second in his class and won his pro card. Um, and then the third person that I put on stage, um, it was a natural, he competed in like the SNBF, no, not the INBF, I think. Um, he won the overall at that show, got his pro card in natural bodybuilding. And then I had a lady in figure do a regional show, won that overall, went to North Americans, won her class and went pro. So that was the first five that I put on stage. And then from there, that picked up a lot of traction and just kind of, you know how it is with coaching. There, there's a side of it where there's for sure a lot of skill. And then there's also mm -hmm. the just popularity and just word of mouth side to things too. Mm -hmm. So I think that that really picked up good traction there and opened up a lot of opportunities. Um, but that was 2019 and now we're in 2023. Yeah. Dang. So what I hear is you're like 24 years old going on like 34 years old, 35 years. Yeah. Old. I'm like an old man. For so sure. much. <laughs> I'm an old man. Yeah, that's that's wild to me. I mean, you and I have a very similar similar kind of like fat to fit story. You know, I used to be over 250 pounds when I was a kid, obviously got horribly bullied, lost the weight very, very quickly, skinny fat, all that stuff. People took notice. They were like, hey, how did you do that? And that was kind of like what started like my own personal journey into like personal training and then online coaching and stuff like that. So it's really cool to kind of see it from like a different perspective, especially knowing that like you are, you, you are younger. Like you're actually younger than me. I know I'm young. So the fact that like, you're just so humble yet. So wise beyond your years is just honestly really, really cool. Oh, thank you. I, I try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kind of, let's kind of dive into our, our topic talking about kind of like female fat loss troubleshooting, especially like in the contest prep realm. And so obviously contest prep has kind of been compared to playing chess, not checkers. So how do you ensure that you're setting up your female athletes for a successful contest prep? Like, do you have a certain starting body fat percentage, a certain calorie level health markers? Like, are there anything like, do you have like a checklist where you're like, check, 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 check. Yes, we can do a contest prep now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, with most things within this sport as a coach, especially when you're changing seasons and phases and I guess directions with things that there are, you know, your checklists that you have to have for that being you're going on cycling and off season, you know, you're checking off the same boxes for blood work, everything like that. But when it comes to a contest prep, it gets a little bit more, um, I guess, intricate, you might say, or really just meticulous with the amount of boxes and how, how, um, I guess just strictly I'm combing through everything to really make sure that we're ready for it. And I'm going to try and hit on all of them, but really and truly there's so many that probably could be valid that I may not even mention, but of course we're going to look at blood work and we can talk a little bit deeper on that in a second, but making sure that labs are in a good place. Um, I'm going to, I guess maybe try and go in order of importance. So I'd say blood work. From there, I would then be checking the athletes, just mental state and where they kind of are in life. You know, they could be as physically ready as as they need to be. But really and truly, you know, sometimes people just the heads just aren't in it quite yet. And if you jump the gun a little bit too soon, I I think you're setting yourselves up for a higher risk of failure. Um, So making sure that mentally that they're it's something they're really ready to get themselves into because it's not just an easy task to commit to like it it needs to be fueled by passion and because you you have drive about it, not just because the coach says, oh, it's a good time for you to do this now. Um, So I want to make sure the athlete like really wants it, make sure that life lines up, you know, do we have any like big moves or anything going on, any big job changes, just so that way we can keep our environment pretty similar throughout the course of this prep and be able to create good habits and routine um, and just balance as much as possible with everything else that's going on. Um, From there, I'm probably going to look into physically, where are they? You know, does their development match the standard that we're holding ourselves to and also align with the realistic expectation that we have set for ourselves? you know, physical, that that could also go into development, but then also body fat levels too. You know, are we entering this contest prep with an unrealistic timeline as well as an unrealistic amount of weight that we're going to try and pull off within one diet, you know, and sometimes that means we'll break the prep into two different diets and it could be like a year long prep, but mm-hmm. um, I'm also then looking into what are, what is our communication like, you know, are, are you being able to provide the, the quality communication that I need week to week? So that, that way I feel like I have a high level of awareness on where you're at, how you're trending, where your predictability is. If I, if I make a change with something, how, confident am I that you're going to respond in a way that that agrees with the reason that I'm making the change um other some other simple things like you know the, your progress photos you know are, are you sending good consistent quality check-in photos week to week that put me in a position where I truly can gauge changes that are happening and I'm not sitting here looking at one photo where you're in a front doorway the next one you're I don't know, in a bathroom. And it, I just know at that point, it's going to, again, bring that awareness down and bring my confidence down a little bit with what's going on. Um, you know, training, are, are we training right? Are we moving through our movements right? Are we progressing in the logbook? Um, are, are you sending me training videos? Do we have a good understanding of what execution effort levels need to look like starting this contest prep so that, that way we can maintain performance as best as we can throughout? Mm-hmm. Um 
I guess those would be the main ones that that really and truly that I would be checking off getting into things. You know, there, there's other things too, like financially, is the athlete in a good place? Where is their posing at? Um, you know, all, all of those items too. But I think really and truly the main ones, I, I feel like I just kind of knocked out that really make sure that I just provide as much certainty for its success as possible throughout that that contest prep when we're just starting. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like the major things is making sure they're just overall healthy from a physical standpoint, making sure blood work is good, menstrual self, menstrual health cycle is good, uh, making sure they're financially healthy, making sure they're mentally healthy and locked in and kind of like earning in, in a way the right to compete when it comes to just how everything comes together for the success of the athlete. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, it's gotta be like consistent too. Like you can't just send like two weeks of good check-in photos. Like you have to be consistent. Like training has to be consistent. Like all those things, yeah. you can't just be like, okay, coach, like I think I'm going to be ready. So now I'm going to give a fuck about having good check-in photos. And now I'm going to do this. Like, no, you have to do this over time because when you get into prep, some, like your, your mental can flip and you have to have that discipline. So that carries on throughout. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. And you know, it, it's, uh, I really like to have things set up and when I'm telling and I'm coaching some of my athletes, I'll really go ahead and start shifting that mindset because as much as I wish that the mindset was the same throughout the whole year and that really when it comes time for a contest prep, that you're they're not just turning it on, it's already been turned on and we're really mm -hmm. just shifting numbers. As nice as that would be, I, I understand that realistically, a majority of folks do turn it on and they realize that they could have picked up some slack whenever I do mention like, hey, we're in a contest prep. So, you know, if I know in my head, like really, we need to be in that groove at like 20 weeks out around 26 to 30. I'm probably already going ahead and shifting them there and mentally like letting them know like, hey, we're basically in a contest prep now. Um, just so that way that transition is a bit easier. And if you have someone that, you know, maybe they're not following their diet hundred percent, they're not training hundred percent, the response that you're currently getting prior to starting that contest prep, you may not even realize that they're not doing things to hundred percent. So your predictability and awareness for them really is different than where it would actually be if they do start following everything. So it, it kind of, helps with I guess reducing that that buffer period that really could make things a little bit cloudy at the beginning of the contest prep um but yeah no she's totally right just being consistent with everything leading in so that that way you know you just feel like you you have control of the car in the driver's seat um mm -hmm. but yeah yeah I think it's great that you touched on that because I actually have two competitors that are in contest prep, but they're in, you know, a, a mini cut, a fat loss, just to kind of tone, just to like kind of uncover their physique a little bit before we enter into another growth phase. But I was like, I noticed that both of them, they weren't dropping as readily as I would have expected. And so I was both, I set both of them aside, different conversations, but like, listen, your first time competitors treat this mini cut as contest prep. Don't miss, start sending me more videos, make sure your diet's like a hundred percent, like you, one day you were going to be on stage and you need to practice developing that mindset. And ever since I had that little pep talk with them and kind of got them amped up, just the, it's night and day difference with their physique, tighter scale, dropping better energy, just like killing it from the, from just like the fat loss standpoint, all because of just that mentality of not missing. 
For sure. I think, you know, things are a bit different when you go into, when you go into it with just an intentional mindset of just being a hundred percent on it. And, you know, you tell someone treat like you're in a contest prep, whether they're competing against someone else or themselves, it kicks that, you know, I want to win mentality into gear a little Mm -hmm. bit more. And even if they were following their diet, you know, to a T before there's other things too, like just their actions on a day-to-day basis, their mood, their mindset, stress levels, training that I think are are very heavily influenced by our mindset that we have. Um, So, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, you know, with having that checklist and just, I guess, being so anal about everything being checked off leading to a contest prep, I think I've just found myself in, in multiple positions where, I'm sitting there questioning, like, damn, do I even know what I'm doing here? Like, what is going on? And that's just happened way too many times where if I can reduce that happening, then then I'm happy. Right on, right on. So let's let's kind of gear our conversation more towards the actual prep now. So let's dive into a few questions with that and, and see what, what Cam has to say for our followers. So when it comes to like diet setup for a prep, like, are you a fan of carb cycling? Like, is that something you utilize? And how yeah. do you- uh, was there more on the question? I just so- said, like, how do you do it? Like, do you have it on higher train, like higher carbs on training days or, or lower carbs for five days in a row? And then do like kind of refeeds on the weekends. Like, how do you set that up? Or is it per client based? Or what is your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, so it's definitely per, per client based, but I am a big fan of, some form of cyclic dieting and it's more so uh, I guess you could more so call it stress cycling um, rather than carb cycling but I mean essentially it is carb cycling too Um, so I would say really and truly you know speaking on I guess the first initial like kind of cyclic changes that you can really make that aren't anything crazy or just either having a baseline diet or a training day and rest day diet Right. And depending on where someone is in their off season, I'll either have them on a baseline diet or a train day rest day. And I really don't think it makes a huge difference. I think where it really makes a big difference is when individuals start becoming less insulin sensitive and so you can pull back on carbs on rest days. And, you know, when you're working with some people that have to eat a lot of food, having rest days where you're pulling back like a thousand, twelve hundred calories um, off of maybe like a 5,500 calorie diet just to give their digestion a break. I think that makes a big difference, but really and truly, I think from the most part, you don't see a major difference in that. So sometimes I'll just kind of figure out what that athlete prefers and what we're just going with just because it so happened to play out that way. And that's how we'll enter the contest prep. And, um, you know, if I have someone at a baseline diet, maybe one week I'll make like a little baby change just to keep things moving. I'll be like, Hey, we're just going to plug out some of your baseline days for a rest day diet set. And maybe I'll pull off like 200 calories from that again, just to move that weekly deficit down just a little bit, but not a ton, but with females, especially, cause I know that we're going to be hitting on this a lot. I feel like that stress management piece, um, comes in a bit sooner than the males in regards to with cyclic dieting in males versus females and again it there's no absolutes here so it could go either way um but i've noticed with males there's a lot more the the cyclic intentions with dieting a male 
is more so to fill back out and refeed and restore training and really just pull you out of a flat place. I do think as a female, you get to that point as well when you really get deep into the diet. But where I see this, this cyclic dieting and these, these carb cycle rotations start coming in sooner for females are not necessarily from that flat aspect where you're really trying to bring training back up high, but it's more so just from a fatigue and stress dissipation point. And so I'll find myself switching over to, you know, let's say they've been on a baseline diet set. Um, and, you know, just looking at their calories on a seven day week, and I'm trying to think numbers so we can make this easy. Um, let's say that someone's eating 2000 calories per day, right? And that's mm -hmm. their deficit that they've been at, they've been dropping well, and maybe we have a week where we stall out. I will take that that 2000 calories per day, which is what 14,000 on the week. And I'll keep that weekly deficit and weekly caloric intake the same. But what I'll do is I'll start them on the new week and bring in this five, five day um, low diet set where maybe I've chopped off, I don't know, X amount of calories, and it pulls them down maybe 150 per day or 100 calories per day. So when they first get into it, their body sees like, oh, like we've made a food pull, like we're going into this new week with a change. And usually that'll get things going. But then when you start pushing to that point near the end of that week, things can start to slow down. And the calories that I've pulled off of all of those five days, I then stick them on to the two, maybe Saturday and Sunday, um, like maintenance days here. And those two days, I'll pull out their cardio, put the food back in, maybe near maintenance or closer to what their calories were at the start of the prep. And at that point, usually body weight will stay the same, maybe go up a pound. Sometimes it will drop if uh, stress is really high. Um, but that really kind of just serves as like, you know, we're kind of just taking a pit stop, refueling the gas tank, and then we're setting ourselves back up to go again the next week. Um, that's the most common diet rotation that starts to come in earlier, earlier into the prep. From there, sometimes what I'll do is we'll have that five two that we'll be riding out and you know, I'm wanting to start pushing things harder, uh, but I don't think that we necessarily need to make a complete pull on the whole five day set. You know, maybe I'll change that low day, what those five low days were to now their moderate diet. And then I pull from that moderate and maybe bring them to a new low day diet that Wednesday through Friday. So it's like, you know, you have the two maintenance days over the weekend um, two moderate days, Monday to Tuesday, and then a new initial pull from Wednesday to Friday with a lower diet set. Um, so that's, that's usually the, the ways the, I guess, cycling and cyclic dieting begin and how they kind of progress for me with most individuals that are females, some are troopers, and it really just comes down to their total life stressors, um, their body fat settling points, their genetics, just in general, um, but a lot of individuals really do well with that five, two rotation. Yeah. So kind of like taking, you know, almost from Chris Aceto's, like something about advanced fat loss or something like that from his book. I'm sure he didn't like come up with it or maybe he did, but I was just reading his book recently where he talked about something similar where it was like, you know, five low days followed by like maybe even like either maintenance or even a slight surplus just to help with, 
you know, not only mentally thinking about, oh, I get to eat more food, especially during the weekend, but then also we're thinking like thyroid adaptations and other things that especially impact females a lot more than males. So I think that's awesome. And you did a great job explaining. Um, So now that we've done kind of like the cardio uh, or not the cardio, but the carb cycling, now let's go into cardio manipulation. So when it comes to kind of like, you know, an entire prep, when are you adding in cardio and what type are we doing hit? steady state, fasted, fed, like what do you like toggling with to help your female athletes, you know, essentially own this contest prep? Yeah, of course. So I I think it's interesting. I'm not someone that really drives cardio super high. Um, I I guess it's all kind of relative, but for, for most protocols that I'll see that I'm not running, at least I feel like I look at them and I'm like, damn, like, I'm not pushing cardio that high. And then when I'm actually coaching individuals, I feel like I'm very, very, I guess I treat the plan very fragile when it comes to cardio. Um, especially when coaching like wellness and bikini athletes, where you really need to preserve their legs and and hold them in. But I really like to view cardio as a tool with females that I save because I think, I'm sure you two are both aware females are extremely adaptive. You know, mm-hmm. your girl's main role is to carry on life. You know, as a male, it's just kind of to put the life out there and then you kind of go about, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, as a female, you really have to to carry on that that life and, and that the, the survival of, um, I guess, the offspring is offspring is a lot more dependent on the female's actions and health. And so I, it's it's very clear from an evolutionary standpoint why females are so adaptive and why their bodies can hold when, when high stress is just being pr- present for so long. Um, but from a cardio standpoint, I have two different ways that I guess we, we could just toss into the activity pile, right? We've got a step count, which is more just low intensity, just it's steps. Um, and then we also have cardio calories. That's, that, that's how I go about um, cardio rather than doing it in time. Um, so steps, I figure out what what is this athlete's baseline activity levels like, just so I have an idea and awareness on what's normal for them. You know, if I have someone that like myself, if you told me to do 10,000 steps, it'd probably be like the biggest stress ever. I get like <laughs> two to 3,000 steps per day. Um <laughs> But for some individuals, it's super easy, right? So even though that 10,000 steps may not be stressful for someone that has an active job and, you know, the person that sits at their desk, it's still the same amount of work. There's a different kind of psychological stress that comes into play. If you were to tell me to do 10,000 steps, I'd be mad stressed. Um, And so there's figuring that out and, and understanding probably where you can kind of push it to really increase their need. Um, without making it like a job that they have to think about every hour, every other hour that they need to move around of some sort, that's going to knock them out of their daily routine just to accomplish that goal. So I'll usually start things out with one, again, that primer that I was trying to tell you about where I'm checking off all the boxes. At that point, I'm also understanding where their baseline activity levels are and where that, where that range is per se. But when we really start getting into the contest prep, like let's just say for this example, someone's normal step count is 5,000. I might bump it up to seven or 8,000 per day to start the prep. Once things are rolling, and I usually like to make diet rotation or not diet rotation, diet changes and possibly even get into our initial 
like five two rotations and a couple cycles of that before I really am bringing in cardio. Um, I just feel that females can the the impact in just stress and how cardio comes into play for them can really cause a lot of stress into the picture. And that's where I feel like if I bring that cardio in too soon, or maybe just our timeline that we have to work with, I have to bring that cardio in earlier. That's where I notice it starts to really get super, um, super fragile with the whole just task at hand and the decisions that I'm making and really making sure that I'm managing fatigue and pulling back as much as possible. Um, but let's say, for example, I am just starting with an individual that maybe doesn't have a rush timeline or anything like that. You know, we've made a couple food changes, like I just mentioned, possibly even got into our first five, two rotation. And so now we're sitting with five low days and two high. Um, I might say something like, okay, let's bring in, um, 250 or 300 calories of cardio Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. And it'll just be simple like that. Um, and then maybe when I start pushing things, like I, I have a female right now that we just bumped her up from like 300, three times a week to now she's in that diet set where she has two moderate days, three low, and then two high. Um, I think on like Monday and Tuesday, I have her at 250 calories of cardio on Wednesday. I pulled the cardio out and then pulled her steps down from 10 to six to kind of give her a little bit of a break there, but she still maintains her low day diet. And then Thursday and Friday, I have her pushing 350 cardio calories. So essentially what I'm doing is I'm kind of pushing the stress up a little bit midweek, kind of like giving it a little bit of a halt. And then I know Thursday and Friday, I really have free range to kind of drive stress because I have the two days over the weekend coming up to basically dissipate it. Right on. So with those, with the Thursday, Friday, is that a low day again, or is that, would it go back to a moderate day before your high day? Those would be low days again. So when I have those diet rotations set up, I'll actually work the week to drive stress higher and higher as we get closer into the end of the week um, and going okay. into that weekend. That's awesome. No, I love that. That's, that's very, very insightful. So we just touched on kind of like the diet and then the cardio manipulations, but then obviously we have to kind of talk about fatigue and the toll it takes mentally, especially for females, right? So like what like methods or how do you kind of like speak to your female athletes when it comes to kind of like making these adjustments? Like, are you rotating like things like every week? Is it on a biweekly basis? Do you like do cardio and food on the same week? Like kind of like, how do you, essentially, how do you manage their mentality when it comes to these cuts? Because obviously, like when you receive like a cardio increase or a caloric cut, it's sometimes deflating. So how do you keep your athletes like focused when it comes to these like adjustments that you're making? Sure. Um, let's see, where do I want to start here? So I think the to start just with managing their fatigue in general, you have to have systems in play that allow you to have foundational numbers or certain words within communication. Like we talk about flat and full or being pumped or, you know, flat, I guess. So having certain words or ways that you can scale kind of where you're at in a sense, you know, cause if you think about it, like, Oh, I'm, I'm full, you know, that's one side of the scale. I'm 
kind mm-hmm. of not really full, but not flat. You're in the middle and then you're completely flat. You can kind of look that, at that as like a scale, you know, <laughs> hunger cues, sleep, fatigue, um, tracking things like their blood glucose, resting heart rate, blood pressure. Those can sometimes give insight and in, in just overall stress and where they're at in the plan. Um, tracking body measurements. Maybe you can see someone lost like half an inch on their arms in a week. It's like, dude, we're like a deflated raisin right now. What's going on? <laughs> um, let's see what else. The, the, a training log, you know, that's that's a huge one. Um, and then also like you have your scale and as a coach, you have your eye. Um, and so you have those metrics and, and scales and tools to really be able to assess kind of what's going on and see how many of those correlate with one another to really confirm your thoughts. But where, where you really, I think, can take advantage of things is taking the time to basically teach that athlete what's going on with the picture, what to expect and what you need them to look for and gain awareness on to communicate with you. So I have a female right now. Um, actually, her name is Brittany. She's a women's physique athlete. She's in her first contest prep. I've been posting her recently. And she's having a really good prep. And But it's her first one ever. So at the beginning of this prep with her, there was things that I was trying to teach her like, hey, you know, as a first time athlete, you're probably not really going to be able to truly assess like full and flat. And, you know, all of these different things that are going on, like watery, this and that. So I was trying to teach her essentially what we probably would be expecting. And then when we started to get into her first diet rotations, when she truly got flat for the first time, uh, and I, I knew for a fact, looking at her that, that she was flat. So I was like, okay, remember how your training has felt these last couple of days and today, Remember how you looked, what your vascularity was like, how your hunger is, all of this. I want you to correlate this to what we know is flat for right now. We're going to feed you up for two days this weekend. I want you to very closely pay attention to how your training is maybe on, you know, we fed her Saturday and Sunday. So if you train on Sunday evening, I want you to pay attention to what your training is like. What kind of numbers are you hitting mentally? How motivated are you going into the gym? Um, you know, what's your vascularity and pumps like now, and you're going to notice that there's a really big shift and change in that whole meter with all of these little scales that we've talked about. We might notice that your body weight goes up a little bit here. And, you know, I was, I said from there, you know, cause we're in like a five, two rotation at that point. And I told her, I was like, you know, that Sunday, Monday came around. She was like, oh my God, I feel amazing. My training's incredible. Like I see what you mean by full now. And I was like, okay, I want you to really pay attention over these next couple of days, how this trends for us. And I want you to also remember how you felt last week and what you remembered in terms of pumps, flatness. And I want you to watch it trend. And basically that next Friday, when it rolled around, I was like, you know, how do we compare to last Friday? And she was like, oh, I still have, you know, pretty good pumps, this and that. And that could either tell me like, okay, cool. Like maybe we need to slow things down and we're on a good pace now. Or if we need to speed things up, I would then know, okay, these five days ain't going to cut it anymore. I need to put in three more low days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to try and push that flatter look that she now was recently just um, aware of and just kind of went through. Um, So being able to teach those athletes that, um, I wouldn't say it's with every athlete that you can do that because some can get in their head. And I, as a coach, I can just recognize like 
just don't tread, don't get them to make opinions about themselves um, or make judgment calls. But if you can teach that athlete that these are all markers and signs that are going to come up and that are normal and that they only just dictate where we go with things and not to tie emotion to it, um, then I, I think it's very, very helpful to be able to have that assisted um, level of communication, really just teach that athlete where and how to communicate and what to look for. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest ones when it comes to that stress and fatigue management and just paying attention to things like, you know, let's say you're pushing someone really heavy with cardio and you need to give them and maybe their leg training is suffering. And it's like, Hey, I can tell that our legs are looking pretty flat. How, how's your training holding up there compared to everything else? And they're like, Oh, you know, since we bumped up cardio to this, I really feel like my upper body training is held well, but my legs are really taking a hit. And it's like, okay, well, you know, how much of hit are we taking? You know, look at where your numbers are at now. You know, how heavy do your legs feel now? Let's give you maybe two days, three days off from cardio. Let's touch base. Then let me know how things have trended since then. Um, a lot of it really is especially when, when the athlete isn't, you know, crazy lean yet. Cause when you have someone that's pretty lean and with, and maybe a month, month and a half out from the show, you can see a lot of these, these changes that are happening, like the inflammation building up and, you know, whether someone's full or flat, their vascularity. But when you're in that kind of like weird period, when it's maybe 10 to 18 or 20 weeks out, it's a bit harder to to really see what's going on and your awareness for that athlete with visual trends just hasn't fully picked up yet because you're in the early stages of a contest prep it, it really is reliant on what our data sets and just communication um shifts are looking like with the athlete um so i would say that's that's really how i manage things and, and the I guess, tools you could say um, that help me guide the, the process of stress management. Um, yeah, I, I think that was, that was it. So question, when you have your athletes that are obviously deeper into prep, how often are they checking in with you? Is it like multiple days a week or like, even if they're like, you know, it's like say single digit weeks out, like say they're like eight, nine, 10 weeks, all right, wait nine, eight, and seven. There we go. That's better. I was like 10. That's not single digit. <laughs> so it really can come down to where I'm at with the plan. So like these individuals that I have on these five, two rotations, what I'll have them doing right now is they'll check in at the end of that five day period. I'll save their photos in a folder, you know, run a check-in with them, let them know basically that we're good to go for the high days this, this weekend. And I save those photos and data to have basically my my most recent set of where we are at what should be our flattest mm -hmm. and then I would say okay we're going to have these two days here let's mm -hmm. check back in after these two high days or maybe the last time that we did this their weight went up really high after both days maybe I'll get them to check in just after the first one to see if maybe that was all that we needed to fill back out mm -hmm. but I'm starting to essentially create like mini goals for us as the diet rotations start to set in, you know, when we have these cycles that are going on with our diets and the changes that we're making, there's intentions behind it. Right. So I'm bringing in those two high days. It's like, what are the reasons I'm bringing them in? 
fatigue dissipation, maybe lowering inflammation. Maybe I'm getting someone fuller and, and I'm giving them just a single day high refeed. What is my objective with this change that's going on? How do I know if I got it done? I have them check in the day afterwards. And essentially from there, I'm able to just check week to week. Like, okay, is this, is this objective still the same with this rotation? Is it, are we still getting the outcome we want? And then um, I've had times where maybe I have an athlete four or five weeks out and I feel like maybe I don't have great awareness on how they're just training day to day or for whatever reason, my, my judgment is just cloudy and not quite where I want it to be. Um, I've had times where I've just told people uh, like, Hey, check in every other day for right now. And that's just for me. So I feel like I can really pick up on things well. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also had individuals uh, like JT, for example, and he works from home and he's got his full check-in set up. He doesn't care to check in all the time. So um, I remember we've had multiple preps where he checked in every single day for like five weeks straight. Wow. And we were solely just going off of whatever you look like that morning. I'll end up saying the, the diet for the day. And we would have like three or four different diets. And I think three is like a moderate, low, a refeed and a maintenance day. And that was like one of our first couple of preps working together. And he's someone that just can handle a ton of food. And so his, his diet rotations can get weird. Um, or we just end up finding ourselves pushing a refeed day for like four days straight and he's maintaining weight or something. So I've had times where I have individuals checking in every single day. Um, but it really just comes down to our objective, you know, at 12 weeks out with someone, I'm probably not doing things, you know, every single day with a different objective per se, like what we're needing to do at that point, the body isn't so sensitive that we need to be cautious about leaving someone alone with a certain plan for like three to four days straight. You know, when you start getting super lean and stress starts getting really easy to, acquire with just normal bodybuilding tasks I, I feel like the picture is much more fragile and you have to really supervise everything that's going on day to day or every other day as it gets closer right on no that was amazing I the thing I love about having people on like our podcast is this is not a vanity thing I don't want to hear me talk I don't want to hear about like how my week went I want to listen and relearn from the people that we have on. And you've done such a great job kind of explaining your thought process, which is the whole reason why Ash and I wanted to have you on the podcast. So Cameron, thank you so much for just joining us and coming on and explaining not only your, your background and your story, but also kind of like your thought process when it comes to learning how to play ch um, chess, not checkers, especially with your female athletes. Yeah, thank you guys for both having me too. It was a ton of fun. I always enjoy being on podcasts. So as long as somebody benefited from it, I'm happy. <laughs> oh shit, we did. We did. Yeah. But where do people find you? <laughs> um, just mainly on Instagram. Um, my I guess handle is Cameron underscore cheek one. And then uh if anyone's interested on coaching or just services, you can go to the campjansen.com and find me under there under um just coaching programs, I believe, somewhere on there. Somewhere, somewhere on there, on there. I out. love it I love it all right Cameron guys thank you so much for joining us we will catch you next time until then peace adios <laughs>